Book Four of Jerusalem Delivered by Torquato Tasso, translated by Edward Fairfax. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. The argument: Satan, his fiends and sprites assembleth all, and sends them forth to work the Christians' woe. False Hydriot their aid from hell doth call, and sends Armida to entrap his foe. She tells her birth, her fortune, and her fall, asks aid, allures, and wins the worthies so that they consent her enterprise to prove. She wins them with deceit, craft, beauty, love. While thus their work went on with lucky speed, and reared rams their horned fronts advance, the ancient foe to man and mortal seed his wannish eyes upon them bent askance. And when he saw their labors well succeed, he wept for rage and threatened dire mischance. He choked his curses, to himself he spake, such noise wild bulls that softly bellow make. At last, resolving in his damned thought to find some let to stop their warlike feet, he gave command his princes should be brought before the throne of his infernal seat. Oh, fool, as if it were a thing of naught, God to resist or change his purpose great, who on his foes doth thunder in his ire, whose arrows hailstones be and coals of fire. The dreary trumpet blew a dreadful blast and rumbled through the lands and kingdoms under. Through wasteness wide it roared, and hollows vast, And filled the deep with horror, fear, and wonder. Not half so dreadful noise the tempests cast That fall from skies with storms of hail and thunder, Not half so loud the whistling winds do sing, Broke from the earthen prisons of their king. The peers of Pluto's realm assembled been Amid the palace, of their angry king, in hideous forms and shapes to fore unseen, that fear, death, terror, and amazement bring. With ugly paws some trample on the green, some gnaw the snakes that on their shoulders hing, and some their forked tails stretch forth on high, and tear the twinkling stars from trembling sky. There were Silenus' foul and loathsome rout, There sphinxes, centaurs, there were gorgons fell, There howling scillas yawling round about, There serpents hiss, there seven-mouthed hydras yell, Chimera there spews fire and brimstone out, And Polyphemus blind supporteth hell. Besides, ten thousand monsters therein dwells, Misshaped unlike themselves and like naught else. About their prince each took his wonted seat, On thrones red-hot he built a burning brass. Pluto in middest heaved his trident grate Of rusty iron huge that forged was. The rocks on which the salt sea billows beat, And Atlas tops the clouds in height that pass, Compared to his huge person, mole-hills be. So his rough front, his horn so lifted he. The tyrant proud frowned from his lofty cell, and with his looks made all his monsters tremble. His eyes, that full of rage and venom swell, Two beacons seem that men to arms assemble. His feltered locks that on his bosom fell, On rugged mountains, briars, and thorns resemble. His yawning mouth that foamed clotted blood, Gaped like a whirlpool wide in Stygian flood. And 
as Mount Etna vomits sulphur out, with clifts of burning crags and fire and smoke, so from his mouth flew kindled coals about, hot sparks and smells that man and beast would choke. The gnarring porter durst not whine for doubt, still were the furies while their sovereign spoke, and swift Cositus stayed his murmur shrill, while thus the murderer thundered out his will. Ye powers infernal, worthier far to sit about the sun, whence you your offspring take, with me that while on through the welkin flit down tumbled headlong to this empty lake, our former glory still remember it, our bold attempts and war we once did make gainst him that rules above the starry sphere, for which, like traitors, we lie damned here. And now, instead of clear and gladsome sky, of Titan's brightness that so glorious is, in this deep darkness lo we helpless lie hopeless again to joy our former bliss and more which makes my griefs to multiply that sinful creature man elected is and in our place the heavens possess he must vile man begot of clay and born of dust nor this sufficed but that he also gave his only son his darling to be slain to conquer so hell, death, sin, and the grave, and man condemned to restore again. He break our prisons, and would all gates save the souls that here should dwell in woe and pain. And now in heaven with him they live always, with endless glory crowned and lasting praise. But why recount I thus our passed harms? Remembrance fresh makes weakened sorrows strong, expulsed were we with injurious arms from those due honors us of right belong but let us leave to speak of these alarms and bend our forces gainst our present wrong ah see you not how he attempted hath to bring all lands all nations to his faith then let us careless spend the day and night without regard what haps what comes or goes let Asia subject be to Christian's might, a prey be scion to her conquering foes. Let her adore again her Christ aright, who her before all nations whilom chose. In brazen tables be his lore writ, and let all tongues and lands acknowledge it. So shall our sacred altars all be his, our holy idols tumbled in the mould. To him the wretched man that sinful is shall pray, And offer incense, myrrh, and gold. Our temples shall their costly deckings miss, With naked walls and pillars freezing cold. Tribute of souls shall end, and our estate, Or Pluto reign in kingdoms desolate. Oh, be not then the courage perished clean That whilom dwelt within your haughty thought, when armed with shining fire and weapons keen against the angels of proud heaven we fought i grant we fell on the phlegrian green yet good our cause was though our fortune not for chance assisteth oft the nobler part we lost the field yet lost we not our heart go then my strength my hope my spirits go these western rebels with your power withstand Pluck up these weeds before they overgrow the gentle garden of the Hebrews' land. Quench out this spark before it kindles so that Asia burn consumed with the brand. 
Use open force or secret guile unspied, For craft is virtue against a foe defied. Among the knights and worthies of their train, Let some like outlaws wander uncouth ways, Let some be slain in field, Let some again make oracles of women's yeas and nays, And pine in foolish love. Let some complain on Godfrey's rule, And mutinies against him raise, Turn each one's sword against his fellow's heart, Thus kill them all, or spoil the greatest part, before his words the tyrant ended had, The lesser devils arose with ghastly roar, And thronged forth about the world to gad. Each land they filled, river, stream, and shore, The goblins, fairies, fiends, and furies mad, Ranged in flowery dales and mountains hoar, And under every trembling leaf they sit, Between the solid earth and welkin flit. About the world they spread forth far and wide, Filling the thoughts of each ungodly heart With secret mischief, anger, hate, and pride, Wounding lost souls with sin's empoisoned dart. But say, my muse, recount whence first they tried To hurt the Christian lords, and from what part. Thou knowst of things performed so long agone, This latter age hears little truth or none. The town Damascus and the lands about ruled Hidreort, a wizard grave and sage, acquainted well with all the damned rout of Pluto's reign, even from his tender age. Yet of this war he could not figure out the wished ending or success presage, for neither stars above nor powers of hell, nor skill, nor art, nor charm, nor devil could tell. And yet he thought, O vain conceit of man, which, as thou wishest, judgest things to come, that the French host to sure destruction ran, condemned quite by heaven's eternal doom. He thinks no force withstand of anguish can the Egyptians' strength, and therefore would that some both of the prey and glory of the fight upon this Syrian folk would haply light. But for he held the Frenchman's worth in prize, And feared the doubtful gain of bloody war, He that was closely false and slyly wise, Cast how he might annoy them most from far. And as he gan upon this point devise, As counsellors in ill still nearest are, At hand was Satan, ready ere men need, If once they think, to make them do the deed. He counselled him how best to hunt his game, what dart to cast, what net, what toil to pitch. A niece he had, a nice and tender dame, peerless in wit, in nature's blessings rich. To all deceit she could her beauty frame, false, fair, and young, a virgin and a witch. To her he told the sum of this emprise, and praised her thus, for she was fair and wise. My dear, who underneath these locks of gold And native brightness of thy lovely hue Hidest grave thoughts, ripe wit, and wisdom old, More skill than I, in all mine arts untrue. To thee my purpose great I must unfold, This enterprise thy cunning must pursue. Weave thou to end this web which I begin, I will the distaff hold, come thou and spin. Go to the Christian's host, and there essay all subtle slights that women use in love, 
shed brinish tears sob sigh entreat and pray wring thy fair hands cast up thine eyes above for morning beauty hath much power men say the stubborn hearts with pity frail to move look pale for dread and blush sometime for shame in seeming truth thy lies will soonest frame take with the bait lord godfrey if thou mayst frame snares of looks strains of alluring speech for if he love the conquest then thou hast thus purposed war thou mayst with ease impeach else lead the other lords to deserts waste and hold them slaves far from their leader's reach thus taught he her and for conclusion saith all things are lawful for our lands and faith the sweet armida took this charge on hand a tender piece for beauty sex and age the sun was sunken underneath the land when she began her wanton pilgrimage in silken weeds she trusteth to withstand and conquer knights in warlike equipage of their night ambling dame the syrians prated some good some bad as they her loved or hated within few days the nymph arrived there where puissant godfrey had his tents apite upon her strange attire and visage clear gazed each soldier gazed every night as when a comet doth in skies appear the people stand amazed at the light so wondered they and each at other sought what mr white she was and whence he brought yet never i to cupid's service vowed beheld a face of such a lovely pride a tinsel veil her amber locks did shroud that strove to cover what it could not hide the golden sun behind a silver cloud so streameth out his beams on every side the marble goddess set at nidos naked she seemed were she unclothed or that awaked the gamesome wind among her tresses plays and curleth up those glowing riches short her spareful eye to spread his beams denays but keeps his shot where cupid keeps his fort the rose and lily on her cheek essays to paint true fairness out in bravest sort her lips where blooms not but the single rose still blush for still they kiss while still they close her breasts two hills o'erspread with purest snow sweet smooth and supple soft and gently swelling between them lies a milken dale below where love youth gladness whiteness make their dwelling her breasts half hid and half were laid to show her envious vesture greedy sight repelling so was the wanton clad as if thus much should please the eye the rest unseen the touch as when the sunbeams dive through tagus wave to spy the storehouse of his springing gold love piercing thought so through her mantle drave and in her gentle bosom wandered bold it viewed the wondrous beauty virgins have and all to fond desire with vantage told alas what hope is left to quench his fire that kindled is by sight blown by desire thus passed she praised wished and wondered at among the troops who there encamped lay she smiled for joy but well dissembled that her greedy eye chose out her wished prey 
on all her gestures seeming virtue sat toward the imperial tent she asked the way with that she met a bold and lovesome knight lord godfrey's youngest brother eustace hight this was the fowl that first fell in the snare he saw her fair and hoped to find her kind the throne of Cupid had an easy stare, his bark is fit to sail with every wind. The breach he makes no wisdom can repair, with reverence meet the barren low inclined, and thus his purpose to the virgin told, for youth, use, nature, all had made him bold. Lady, if thee beseem a style so low, in whose sweet looks such sacred beauties shine, for never yet did heaven such grace bestow on any daughter born of Adam's line. Thy name let us, though far and worthy, know. Unfold thy will, and whence thou art in fine, lest my audacious boldness learn too late what honors due become thy high estate. Sir Knight, quoth she, your praises reach too high above her merit you commend and so. A hapless maid I am, both born to die and dead to joy, that live in care and woe. A virgin helpless, fugitive pardee, my native soil and kingdom thus forego to seek Duke Godfrey's aid. Such store men tell a virtuous Ruth doth in his bosom dwell. Conduct me then, that mighty duke before, if you be courteous, sir, as well you seem. Content, quoth he since of one womb bore we brothers are your fortune good esteemed encounter me whose word prevaileth more in godfrey's hearing than you haply deem mine aid i grant and his i promise too all that his sceptre or my sword can do he led her easily forth when this was said where godfrey sat among his lords and peers she reverence did then blushed as one dismayed to speak for secret wants and inward fears. It seemed a bashful shame her speeches stayed. At last the courteous duke her gently cheers. Silence was made, and she began her tale. They sit to hear. Thus sung this nightingale. Victorious prince, whose honorable name is held so great among our pagan kings, that to those lands thou dost by conquest tame, that thou hast won them some content it brings well known to all is thy immortal fame the earth thy worth thy foe thy praises sings and paynims wronged come to seek thine aid so doth thy virtue so thy power persuade and i though bred in macon's heathenish lore which thou oppressest with thy puissant might Yet trust thou wilt an helpless maid restore, And repossess her in her father's right. Others in their distress do aid implore Of kin and friends, but I in this sad plight Invoke thy help my kingdom to invade. So doth thy virtue, so my need persuade. In thee I hope, thy succors I invoke, To win the crown whence I am dispossessed. For like renown awaiteth on the stroke To cast the haughty down, or raise the pressed. Nor greater glory brings a sceptre broke Than doth deliverance of a maid distressed. And since thou canst at will perform the thing, More is thy praise to make than kill a king. 
but if thou wouldst thy succors due excuse because in christ i have no hope nor trust ah yet for virtue's sake thy virtue use who scorneth gold because it lies in dust be witness heaven if thou to grant refuse thou dost forsake a maid in cause most just and for thou shalt at large my fortunes know i will my wrongs and their great treasons show prince arbilan that reigned in his life on fair damascus was my noble sire born of mean race he was yet got to wife the queen Cariclea. such was the fire of her hot love but soon the fatal knife had cut the thread that kept their joys entire for so mishap her cruel lot had cast my birth her death my first day was her last and ere five years were fully come and gone since his dear spouse to hasty death did yield my father also died consumed with moan and sought his love amid the lysian field his crown and me poor orphan left alone mine uncle governed in my tender eeld for well he thought if mortal men have faith in brother's breast true love his mansion hath he took the charge of me and of the crown and with kind shows of love so brought to pass that through damascus great report was blown how good how just how kind mine uncle was whether he kept his wicked hate unknown and hid the serpent in the flowering grass or that true faith did in his bosom one because he meant to match me with his son which son within short while did undertake degree of knighthood as beseemed him well yet never durst he for his lady's sake break sword or lance advanced in lofty cell as fair he was as cytherea's make as proud as he that signoriseth hell in fashions wayward and in love unkind for cupid deigns not wound a currish mind this paragon should queen armida wed a goodly swain to be a princess fear a lovely partner of a lady's bed a noble head a golden crown to wear his glozing sire his errand daily said and sugared speeches whispered in mine ear to make me take this darling in mine arms but still the adder stopped her ears from charms at last he left me with a troubled grace through which transparent was his inward spite methought i read the story in his face of these mishaps that on me since have light since that foul spirits haunt my resting-place and ghastly visions break my sleep at night grief horror fear my fainting soul did kill for so my mind foreshowed my coming ill three times the shape of my dear mother came pale sad dismayed to warn me in my dream alas how far transformed from the same whose eyes shone erst like titan's glorious beam daughter she says fly fly behold thy dame for shows the treasons of thy wretched eam who poison gainst thy harmless life provides this said to shapeless air unseen she glides but what avail high walls or bulwarks strong where fainting cowards have the peace to guard my sex too weak mine age was all too young to undertake alone a work so hard to wander wild the desert woods among a banished maid of wanted ease debarred so grievous seemed that liefer were my death and there to expire where first i drew my breath i feared deadly evil 
if long I stayed, and yet to fly had neither will nor power, nor durst my heart declare it waxed afraid, lest so I hasten might my dying hour. Thus restless waited I, unhappy maid, what hand should first pluck up my springing flower? Even as the wretch condemned to lose his life awaits the falling of the murdering knife. In these extremes, for so my fortune would perchance preserve me to my further ill, one of my noble father's servants old that for his goodness bore his child good will, with store of tears this treason gan unfold, and said, My guardian would his pupil kill, and that himself, if promise made he kept, should give me poison dire, ere next I slept, and further told me, if I wished to live, I must convey myself by secret flight, and offered then all succors he could give to aid his mistress, banished from her right. His words of comfort, fear to exile drive, the dread of death made lesser dangers light. So we concluded, when the shadows dim obscured the earth, I should depart with him. Of close escapes the aged patroness, blacker than erst her sable mantle spread, when with two trusty maids in great distress, both from mine uncle and my realm I fled. Oft looked I back, but hardly could suppress those streams of tears mine eyes incessant shed, for when I looked on my kingdom lost, it was a grief, a death, and hell almost. My steeds drew on the burden of my limbs, but still my looks, my thoughts, drew back as fast. So fare the men that from the heaven's brims far out to sea by sudden storm are cast. Swift o'er the grass the rolling chariot swims, through ways unknown, all night, all day we haste. At last, nigh tired, a castle strong we fanned, the utmost border of my native land. The fort Arontes was, for so the knight was called that my deliverance thus had wrought. But when the tyrant saw by mature flight I had escaped the treasons of his thought, the rage increased in the cursed wight gainst me and him that me to safety brought, and us accused, we would have poisoned him, but descried to save our lives we fled. And that, in lieu of his approved truth, to poison him I hired had my guide that he dispatched mine unbridled youth might range at will in no subjection tied and that each night i slept o foul untruth mine honor lost by this arontes side but heaven i pray send down revenging fire when so base love shall change my chaste desire not that he sitteth on my regal throne nor that he thirst to drink my lukewarm blood so grieveth me as this despite alone that my renown which ever blameless stood hath lost the light wherewith it always shone with forged lies he makes his tale so good and holds my subjects hearts in such suspense that none take armor for their queen's defense and though he doth my regal throne possess, clothed in purple, crowned with burnished gold, yet is his hate, his rancor, ne'er the less, since naught assuageth malice when tis old. He threats to burn Arontes' fortress, and murder him unless he yield the hold, and me and mine threats not with war but death. Thus causeless hatred endless is uneath, 
and so he trusts to wash away the stain and hide his shameful fact with mine offence and saith he will restore the throne again to his late honor and due excellence and therefore would i should be algate slain for while i live his right is in suspense this is the cause my guiltless life is sought for on my ruin is his safety wrought and let the tyrant have his heart's desire let him perform the cruelty he meant my guiltless blood must quench the ceaseless fire on which my endless tears were bootless spent unless thou help to thee renowned sire i fly a virgin orphan innocent and let these tears that on thy feet distill redeem the drops of blood he thirsts to spill by these thy glorious feet that tread secure on necks of tyrants by thy conquests brave by that right hand and by those temples pure thou seek'st to free from macon's lore i crave help for this sickness none but thou canst cure my life and kingdom let thy mercy save from death and ruin but in vain i prove thee if right if truth if justice cannot move thee thou who dost all thou wishest at thy will and never willest aught but what is right preserve this guiltless blood they seek to spill thine be my kingdom save it with thy might among these captains lords and knights of skill appoint me ten approved most in fight who with assistance of my friends and kin may serve my kingdom lost again to win for lo a knight that hath a gate to ward a man of chiefest trust about his king hath promised so to beguile the guard that me and mine he undertakes to bring safe where the tyrant haply sleepeth hard he counselled me to undertake this thing of these some little succor to entreat whose name alone accomplish can the feat this said his answer did the nymph attend her looks, her sighs, her gestures, all did pray him. But Godfrey wisely did his grant suspend. He doubts the worst, and that a while did stay him. He knows who fears no God, he loves no friend. He fears the heathen false would thus betray him. But yet such ruth dwelt in his princely mind, that gainst his wisdom pity made him kind. Besides the kindness of his gentle thought, ready to comfort each distressed wight, the maiden's offer profit with it brought. For if the Syrian kingdom were her right, that one, the way were easy which he sought, to bring all Asia subject to his might. There might he raise munition, arms, and treasure, to work the Egyptian king and his displeasure. Thus was his noble heart long time betwixt fear and remorse, not granting nor denying. Upon his eyes the dame her lookings fixed, as if her life and death lay on his saying. Some tears, she said, with sighs and sobbings mixed, as if her hopes were dead through his delaying. At last her earnest suit the duke denied, but with sweet words thus would content the maid if not in service of our god we fought in meaner quarrel if this sword were shaken well might thou gather in thy gentle thought so fair a princess should not be forsaken but since these armies from the world's end brought to free this sacred town have undertaken it were unfit we turned our strength away and victory even in her coming 
stay. I promise thee, and on my princely word, the burden of thy wish and hope repose, that when this chosen temple of the Lord, her holy doors, shall to his saints unclose in rest and peace, then this victorious sword shall execute due vengeance on thy foes. But if for pity of a worldly dame I left this work, such pity were my shame. At this the princess bent her eyes to ground, and stood unmoved, though not unmarked, a space. The secret bleeding of her inward wounds shed heavenly dew upon her angel's face. Poor wretch, quoth she, in tears and sorrows drowned. Death be thy peace, the grave thy resting place, since such thy hap, that lest thou mercy find, the gentlest heart on earth is proved unkind. When none attends, what boots it to complain? Men's froward hearts are moved with women's tears, as marble stones are pierced with drops of rain. No plaints find passage through unwilling ears. The tyrant haply would his wrath restrain, heard he these prayers ruthless Godfrey hears. Yet not thy fault is this, my chance I see hath made even pity pitiless in thee. So both thy goodness and good hap denied me, grief, sorrow, mischief, care hath overthrown me. The star that ruled my birthday hath betrayed me. My genius sees his charge, but dares not own me. Of queen-like state my flight hath disarrayed me. My father died ere he five years had known me. My kingdom lost, and lastly resteth now. Down with the tree sith broke is every bough. And for the modest lore of maidenhood bids me not sojourn with these armed men, oh, whither shall I fly? What secret wood shall hide me from the tyrant? Or what den, what rock, what vault, what cave can do me good? No, no, where death is sure it resteth then to scorn his power. And be it therefore seen, Armida lived and died both like a queen. With that she looked as if a proud disdain kindled displeasure in her noble mind. The way she came she turned her steps again, with gesture sad but in disdainful kind. A tempest railed down her cheeks amain with tears of woe and sighs of anger's wind. The drops her footsteps wash whereon she treads, and seems to step on pearls or crystal beads. Her cheeks, on which this streaming nectar fell, still through the limbeck of her diamond eyes, the roses white and red resembled well, whereon the rory made you sprinkled lies, when the fair morn first blusheth from her cell, and breatheth balm from opened paradise. Thus sighed, thus mourned, thus wept this lovely queen, and in each drop bathed a grace unseen. Thrice twenty cupids unperceived flew to gather up this liquor ere it fall, and of each drop an arrow forged new, else as it came snatched up the crystal ball, and at rebellious hearts for wildfire threw. O wondrous love, thou makest gain of all, for if she weeping sit or smiling stand, she bends thy bow, or kindleth else thy brand. This forged plaint, 
drew forth unfeigned tears from many eyes, and pierced each worthy's heart. Each one condoleth with her that her hears, and of her grief would help her bear the smart. If Godfrey aid her not, not one but swears some tigress gave him suck on roughest part, midst the rude crags on alpine cliffs aloft. Hard is that heart which beauty makes not soft. But jolly Eustace, in whose breast the brand of love and pity kindled had the flame, while others softly whispered underhand, before the duke with comely boldness came. Brother and lord, quoth he, too long you stand in your first purpose, yet vouchsafe to frame your thoughts to ours, and lend this virgin aid. Thanks are half lost when good turns are delayed, and think not that Eustace's talk essays to turn these forces from this present war, or that I wish you should your armies raise from Sion's walls. My speech tends not so far. But we that venture all for fame and praise, that to no charge nor service bounden are, forth of our troop may ten well spared be to succor her, which not can weaken thee. And no, they shall in God's high service fight, that virgins innocent save and defend. Dear will the spoils be in the heaven's sight that from a tyrant's hateful head we rend. Nor seem I forward in this lady's right with hope of gain or profit in the end. But for I know he arms unworthy bears to help a maiden's cause that shuns or fears. Ah, be it not pretty declared in France or elsewhere told where curtsy is in prize that we forsook so fair a chevisance for doubt or fear that might from fight arise. Else here surrender I both sword and lance and swear no more to use this martial guise. For ill deserves he to be termed a knight that bears a blunt sword in a lady's right. Thus parlored he and with confused sound the rest approved what the gallant said. Their general, the knights encompassed round, with humble grace and earnest suit they prayed. I yield, quoth he, and be it happy found that I have granted. Let her have your aid. Yours be the thanks, for yours the danger is, if aught succeed, and much I fear amiss. But if with you my words may credit find, O oh, temper then this heat misguides you so. Thus much he said, but they with fancy blind accept his grant and let his counsel go. What works not beauty? Man's relenting mind is eath to move with plaints and shows of woe. Her lips cast forth a chain of sugared words that captive led most of the Christian lords. Eustace recalled her, and bespake her thus, Beauty's chief darling, let these sorrows be, for such assistance shall you find in us, as with your need or will may best agree. With that she cheered her forehead dolorous, and smiled for joy that Phoebus blushed to see, and had she deigned her veil for to remove, the god himself once more had fallen in love. With that she broke the silence once again, and gave the knight great thanks in little speech. She said she would his handmaid poor remain, so far as honor's laws received no breach. Her humble gestures made the residue plain, dumb eloquence persuading more than speech. Thus women know, 
and thus they use the guise to enchant the valiant and beguile the wise and when she saw her enterprise had got some wished mean of quick and good proceeding she thought to strike the iron that was hot for every action hath its hour of speeding medea or false kirke changed not so far the shapes of men as her eyes spreading altered their hearts and with her siren sound in lust their minds their hearts in love she drowned all wily slights that subtle women know hourly she used to catch some lover new none ken the bent of her unsteadfast bow for with the time her thoughts her looks renew from some she cast her modest eyes below at some her gazing glances roving flew and while she thus pursued her wanton sport she spurred the slow and reined the forward short if some as hopeless that she would be won forbore to love because they durst not move her on them her gentle looks to smile begun as who say she is kind if you dare prove her on every heart thus shone this lustful sun all strove to serve to please to woo to love her and in their hearts that chaste and bashful were her eyes hot glance dissolved the frost of fear on them who durst with fingering bold essay to touch the softness of her tender skin she looked as coy as if she list not play and made as things of worth were hard to win yet tempered so her daneful looks alway that outward scorn showed store of grace within thus with false hope their longing hearts she fired for hardest gotten things are most desired alone sometimes she walked in secret where to ruminate upon her discontent within her eyelids sate the swelling tear not poured forth though sprung from sad lament and with this craft a thousand souls well near in snares of foolish ruth and love she hent and kept as slaves by which we fitly prove that witless pity breedeth fruitless love sometimes as if her hope unloosed had the chains of grief wherein her thoughts lay fettered upon her minions looked she blithe and glad in that deceitful lore so was she lettered not glorious titan in his brightness clad the sunshine of her face in lustre bettered for when she list to cheer her beauty so she smiled away the clouds of grief and woe her double charm of smiles and sugared words lulled on sleep the virtue of their senses reason small aid gainst those assaults affords wisdom no warrant from those sweet offences cupid's deep rivers have their shallow forts his griefs bring joys his losses recompenses he breeds the sore and cures us of the pain achilles lance that wounds and heals again while thus she them torments twixt frost and fire twixt joy and grief twixt hope and restless fear the sly enchantress felt her gain the nigher these were her flocks that golden fleeces bear but if some one durst utter his desire and by complaining make his griefs appear he labored hard rocks with plaints to move she had not learned the gamut then of love 
for down she bent her bashful eyes to ground and donned the weeds of women's modest grace down from her eyes welled the pearls round upon the bright enamel of her face such honey drops on springing flowers are found when phoebus holds the crimson morn in chase full seemed her looks of anger and of shame yet pity shone transparent through the same if she perceived by his outward cheer that any would his love by talk bewray sometimes she heard him sometimes stopped her ear and played fast and loose the livelong day thus all her lovers kind deluded were their earnest suit got neither yea nor nay but like the sort of weary huntsman fair that hunt all day and lose at night the hare these were the arts by which she captivated a thousand souls of young and lusty knights these were the arms wherewith love conquered their feeble hearts subdued in wanton fights what wonder if achilles were misled or great alcides at their lady's sights since these true champions of the lord above were thralls to beauty yielden slaves to love End of Book 4